So welcome to Deconstructing Health and Fitness with Chris Wilkins and Elizabeth Hefner. We're going to take a look at a lot of things going on in health and fitness today, and we're going to decide whether or not they're actually useful, whether they apply to you, or whether they're really taking you in the wrong direction. So over a decade of coaching, clients led me to believe that the only way for people to experience lasting change is for them to understand their habits and systems they have currently in place and move from there. I apply a scientific approach to that. We change a thing. We look at how it works. We decide if it's working or not, and then we change something else and we repeat. You can't just coach one aspect of health and fitness. You have to coach them all at once. Today, we're going to get deeper into the actual process of coaching. We spent a lot of time on these podcasts recently um, talking about talking about things. And today, we're going to really focus on some strategies that Elizabeth can apply directly um, to whatever it is she's facing today. My my many, many, many emotional challenges <laughs> that always affect my eating choices. Yes. And right. This is an old improv trick, right? Yes. And that's how you oh, yeah. <laughs> do improvisation comedy, but it's actually really great. I think as well for when you're, you're finding things that are coming up that are barriers to action, right? Because this is in the end, what a lot of the time emotions do is they become barriers to action or reasons, quote unquote, to not act. And, you know, another word for that would be an excuse, but that always, I hated that when somebody would tell me when I was a kid, it's like, you're just making excuses. It's like, no man, they're reasons. And I think that they all feel like reasons to us, but we have to recognize them for what they are is they're barriers, whether it's an excuse or a reason, I don't care what you call it. It's a barrier to action. Right. And we talked a while ago, I don't know, um, if it's in one of the previous podcasts or not about playing excuse whack-a-mole where whenever these things pop up for you, that's like, Oh, well, I had this feeling, so I can't do this. And I had that feeling, so I can't do that. And then this other feeling over here, you know, happens when I do this thing. So I obviously have to avoid that. You know, you've got to come up with strategies and specific actions you can take to whack that excuse on the head. And they pop up all the time because this is why it's difficult to change. If it was, if we didn't have these reasons or excuses popping up to not do something, we would just do it. Mm-hmm. I don't whack them all. That uh, is a fun game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a I, terrible I, challenge. I mean, my cat likes it. My cat likes, we have a very whack-a-mole-ish type interactive toy that she already destroyed. You know, where like, something pops out, you just like slap it or hit it. It's it's how I want to deal with life in general. It's like, I want someone like popping up at me. Hey, can you do this? And I just want to punch them in the face and be like, no. I'm <laughs> That's not what I'm closet. suggesting. <laughs> Liz, I'm not suggesting we punch oh, people. Oh, you're not? No. Oh, I thought you were no. suggesting violence. It's it's virtual. It's virtual punching. It's metaphorical punching, if you like. But it's like not physical, I actual like violence. I mean, although <laughs> you could go and, you know, physically punch people, but please try to do it in a class setting where it's not in real life and you're going to get charged with assault. So, well, and also don't do it right now because basically it's an assault since we're in COVID and we need to not be near enough to punch people. So if you're going to fight anyone, <laughs> if your you arms are use six feet long, you need, to, <laughs> totally. you need to use like a lancing pole or a crossbow some sort of like good range weapon. 
So it's really funny because I've actually just downloaded um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla and I was playing up until this one came out, I was playing Odyssey, which is the previous one. And I know probably nobody expects me to play video games, but I'm just a bro on the inside, I guess. I don't know. Whatever. I play video games. I own it. It's what it is. And one of the most- You're only a bro if you're teabagging people that you've defeated. I'm not doing that. <laughs> it's not an option in the game. But it's like- the previous version was all about like basically just sneaking up on places and killing people like totally innocent people really. And this one I've actually found really disappointing because it's more of a raid based thing because obviously Vikings did lots of raiding <laughs> and a lot less sneaking. Not that I think the ancient Greeks did a bunch of sneaking and stabbing each other, but it's like it fit in the game. And this one, I found really disappointed because I feel like the stealth violence is so much more rewarding than the direct punching people in the face. And, I, you know, this is a tenuous link between what I was saying and what I'm currently saying now. But there is an amount of gratification that we get from, like, confronting these issues because that's what you're doing. You're confronting an issue. Um, obviously, video gaming, this is, again, I like I said, this is a tenuous link. <laughs> but... It is. You're you're taking charge of the situation. You're you're taking action. You're affecting your environment, and that's what I'm saying. And that's what excuse whack-a-mole is supposed to be about. It's like you taking charge of that environment, rather than that environment taking charge of you, and not saying you know, oh, this thing happened to me, and I'm powerless to do anything about it. Saying instead, like this thing happened. Here's how I'm going to deal with it. I'm not just going to sit here and let it derail me. I can I can do something about this. Very powerful words. Yeah. So let's talk about some of your moles that you'd like okay. to punch in the face. First of all, this season, let's just be real. This season of excuses to indulge in things that often not the best for the results we want to see in our lives. This season started in March, 2020. So <laughs> right now, I just want to sit here and be like, I deserve all the good things that I can put in my mouth because things suck. And that's where I derive my pleasure. And that's where I often reward myself. And does it bring me to the results I actually want and the changes I want in my life? God, no, it actually takes me like completely away from it. But for those like five minutes or whatever, or 30 seconds, it's like, this is pretty good. And I'm feeling that way, but I am, I do feel like, I don't want to even say hashtag winning because I don't, I feel like it's more like hashtag compromising, which is yeah. hashtag winning. Um, I promise to I mean, stop but saying if you hashtag. Diplomacy, the idea is compromise, right? Like you're not, you don't go into a diplomatic situation determined to get your way and only have it be your way. And you're not going to walk out of the room with the other person only getting their way. That is winning. That's the point. It is about balance. It is about compromise, but it's about holding fast on the things that are really truly important to you. You know, if we, t if we look at your food negotiations with yourself as a diplomatic international event, Right. You could you could totally argue both sides. And this is a fun little experiment to do with yourself. And, you know, I've been known to use my hands as puppets, as external things, which is super silly. And I, I have actually there will be a video for this. Oh, boy. Point. I apologize in advance because this is just so silly, but it works a lot of the time. You know, like I'll sometimes have conversations with my husband, with myself in front of my husband and he's my hand, you know, and I'll be like, <laughs> 
he'll be like, let's go on a five hour bike ride. And I'll be like, mm, I don't really want to do that. He's like, yes, you do. Because it, it'll be exactly what you want. You want the nature. And I'll be like, no, I really don't want the nature. Uh, four hours of nature is already excessive. Let's have two. And he'd be like, no, you won't be satisfied with just two, you know, and I can, I can play this game all day. And it, what it does is it emotionally diffuses, emotionally diffuses the situation that I'm battling with. Right. So, I mean, I'm not suggesting that you necessarily hand puppet with yourself in front of other people, but it's an interesting little thought experiment to play with, um, to try to get you to deescalate these feelings because I think the problem is that when you're in that situation and you feel stressed and you feel like food is the solution, um, yelling at yourself or telling yourself that you can't have it or you shouldn't have it is only going to create a bigger desire, right? So how can you deescalate that feeling in order to regain some control over it? It's like first first job with whack-a-mole is you got to see the mole. Like, oh, there he is. And then you have to have the reaction time to like reach out and do something about it. Like, do you have to slap the mole? Do you have to bash him over the head? Maybe not. Maybe you could invite him for dinner. Be like, hey, little mole, stop popping out of this hole and just come sit with me for a while. And then eat him. And then eat him for sure. Okay. I mean, but this is what I'm trying to point out is that there are a lot of ways to deal with the excuses that pop up. It doesn't have to just be a punch in the face. It can, it can be something more collaborative. We have all of these opportunities to indulge some of the techniques we're talking about today, you know, noticing and naming what's going on. Like, oh, wow, here comes another feeling of I deserve to eat to feel better. Oh, wow. Here comes another situation where I'm going to be out of control directly of what's going to be available to eat? How can I take control of that? Um, how do I rein that in? So taking taking those things you've identified, those moles to whack, right? And then directly applying a strategy that's going to help you either minimize their impact on you. So eliminating, yeah. that's not a good choice. That's going to backfire. But how do you navigate these things differently than you have before without getting rid of them? You know, because I, I guarantee you could go on Instagram right now and find like a thousand recipes for a healthy Thanksgiving and for, you know, bodybuilder. I still take my Tupperware to my family's house and they can just suck it while I eat out of my Tupperware and they have all these nice things. I mean, that that works one or two years. Right. And then lots of things. My, my mom, like speaking of that kind of deprivation, like my mom still because when she was a teenager um she had like you know about an eating disorder and um she's still like however many years later and you know, decades later she still is like I, I really regret not having a piece of my what was it her a piece of like her grim parents had like a beautiful cake for their like anniversary or something like a really special event and celebrations with gorgeous cake and she still talks about it like I really regret being like so you know obsessed with with like not eating certain foods I really regret like not having a piece of that cake mm -hmm. like these things really do stick with you um yeah, this feeling of deprivation and missing out um and there is there's got to be a better way than well, and I just think, like 
cold turkey in a way. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I say that, but then in cold my Cold turkey, head, no pun intended. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm oh, the queen oh. of accidental puns. I really don't <laughs> intend this. But then in my head, as I say that, I'm all like, but, but you wouldn't tell an alcoholic off you wouldn't tell them to be like you know what i know you really want some whiskey so you should you know you know obviously you shouldn't deprive yourself of like you know so it's okay i yeah. love using um type different types of addiction or different types of compulsive behavior to talk about this because i do think there are commonalities and so if we if we were to take that example to another level like you have an alcoholic family member who comes to the holidays every year. What's the right answer? Zero alcohol at the parties. Everybody has to deal with the fact that that person is an alcoholic and can't be around alcohol. Maybe how extreme is their alcoholism? How vulnerable are they to relapse? How easy it is how easy is it for them to be in a social situation where that's an option, right? Do you say, yeah, you can still come there's going to be limited alcohol. We'll try to do our best not to drink actively in front of you or play beer pong halfway through the event, you know, to limit how much social restraint you have to use. Or it can be, you know, maybe you have a separate event for that person. Maybe they're okay with that kind of environment as long as nobody actively offers them a drink. And I think the situation is, is, great because we view alcoholism as a very, very serious thing. And we are willing to go to extreme lengths to help somebody out of it. And we haven't quite come to that with food. And the other thing with alcohol is it's 100% optional. You do not need alcohol to survive. Whereas you can't just fundamentally stop eating. <laughs> that doesn't work out in the long run. So you have to find a middle ground here of, of what's the right strategy for this situation. And that involves asking the right questions. Because these are the specific strategies. Asking the right questions to yourself. And other people. Because it's, it's, I think we get ourselves in trouble with our relationship with food when we only look at our own food behavior as an isolated thing. I think you've got to look at your food behavior in the larger scope of your family, like your nuclear family environment, or if you live with roommates or, you know, you're in college and you have friends who are impacting your eating habits and environment. You have to look at your larger family culture. You have to look at your larger, you know, ethnicity, what kind of foods are native to you and your family and your, your ethnic background. These things all have an impact on your decisions and they can't happen in isolation alone with you because this is where people go wrong. This is how you end up in the traditional fitness trap of like, I only eat out of Tupperware. I only follow this bodybuilder's diet that I found on Instagram. I'm only going to eat these things. And I exclude all other types of social interaction in order to do this. You know, it's the other end of the extreme. So you've got to try to find a way to live somewhere in the middle of that. This is where the growth is, is in this pocket. There, you know, this, this lesson in one of the PN curriculum and pro coach that you get when you sign up for the program is about the five chapters of PN coaching. And, you know, you, you walk out of your house and you are headed to work and you're walking down the street and you fall in a hole and you're like, oh man, there's a hole here. I didn't know there was a hole. Like, oops. And then day two, you wake up, you get ready for work. You do the same thing. You're on autopilot. You walk out the door and plop, you fall back in the hole again. You're like, oh yeah, there's a hole here. Right. And then as you evolve, you learn to avoid the hole and you learn to go down a different street to not even have the hole be an issue. But you fall in that hole a lot of times before you remember or are 
motivated enough to avoid it because Mm -hmm. it's so hard to break these patterns and it's really uncomfortable and it feels bad when you start to notice these patterns, you, you feel shame, you feel guilt, you feel all of these things because that's a natural response. It's then what you do about it. What are you going to do now? So let's talk about specifically what it is you can do when you're in the grocery store and you have a case of the fuck it's, I deserve to eat whatever I want all day because the world sucks and everything around me sucks. So this is what I deserve. What's an option? Oh God. Um, I mean, I guess, well, for me personally, I guess the thing, I had a case of the fuck it's a little bit. Um, I went to a Whole Foods, which is, in my opinion, extremely expensive. Um, It's so, it's not like an, an individual item necessarily, but once it all adds up together, everything is fundamentally just like, (laughs) <laughs> more expensive I mean, the exact same item but I need yeah. to get some gourmet stuff and gluten-free stuff for my mom so I was like I'm gonna go to Whole Foods I get very excited because I am a bougie person and for me I had kind of the fuckets about money and I know we've we've discussed you know um in the past about my issues with money and money and food and like the thing that I get really excited about that really triggers me if you like invited me to a thing where it's like champagne and caviar and like the most expensive you know treats I would just it, it would just that would be such a huge trigger if you invited me to a thing where it's like fucking pizza hut and McDonald's I'm like ew I don't care because that's not that's not fancy and expensive and so when I was in Whole Foods, it was more of like the fuck it's like, I'm going to get this aged cheese and I'm going to get this special brie. And so it was more having, that was more of like the indulgence than I guess, I don't know if you're, if you're going to compare it. You're talking about like versus you, you tend to indulge quality wise not necessarily yeah, quantity which still, wise, which sounds shitty. Cause I'm like, I should, I do deserve good quality. Mm-hmm. But then once you're in that environment, like, so like just to sort of dissect what you said about whole foods for a second, like within whole foods, there's like this, it's a bit of, it's not greenwashing. Greenwashing is, you know, the idea of environmental. Greenwashing? I love yeah. that. But it's like, it's like health washing. Yeah. In whole foods. It's gluten-free, it's so it's healthy. Right. It's yeah, right. Health washing of things means that you can completely go off the rails with what you know are healthy options and justify it to yourself because you're in Whole Foods. It must be awesome. Look at this beautiful environment. They've gone to a lot of trouble to make those stores attractive as well. And, I, and I'm just the same. I, I walk into a Whole Foods and I have a whole set of feelings about like, oh, this is beautiful and wonderful and everything is amazing in here. And it's not. And it's a great marketing strategy. It really, really works. Like you can possibly that, go wrong with what you buy here. Right. Buy the, Even if buy it all is. the butter. Eat all the butter. It's, it's grass-fed. It's grass-fed butter. From fucking Norway or wherever. <laughs> Right. Totally. And and this is how, this is where the excuse whack-a-mole game comes back into play because you've got to recognize that that's another mechanism you're using to justify creating a calorie surplus because you could equally walk into that Whole Foods only by the fresh produce 
feel equally luxurious, make an equally beautiful, healthful meal and indulge yourself without blowing your calorie needs out of the water. And you're like, no, (laughs) no, I'm like, I'm trying to understand what you mean. Like for me, I'm like, what do you mean? Like indulgent, if it doesn't have cream of some sort, if there's not like some sort of crazy ass cheese or like actual cream, like in my coffee, I'm like, fuck it. It can go fuck itself. I do not eat things that don't have cream. Cool. Fine. Let's work. Let's lean into it again, because part of this battle comes from trying to restrict that. We've talked about your, um, your very, very tight link between creamy and comforting before. And I don't think we've done it in a podcast, but this is a huge component of stuff we were talking about um, last year when we were dialing in on where it was a lot of the calories that you were consuming that you didn't want to be were coming from. And we realized it was like, oh, wow, anything creamy equals happiness for you. And that's that everybody has their thing. Mine's dough, right? I mean, I will stand up right now and go to Dough Eaters Anonymous because it, I just never gain control of it because for me, that's ultimate comfort. My mom worked in a bread bakery when I was a kid and she would bring home fresh, squishy, hot, amazing breads with different flavors. Like I can't, it's just comfort to me and yours is cream. So does that mean I'm never going to eat bread? No. Does it mean you're never going to eat cream? No, because that's not realistic. That's punishment again. Now now you're the alcoholic who's limiting themselves to social situations where there's literally no alcohol and you can't be in places where you're going to feel fulfilled. You know, And that's an extreme example. I hope nobody gets offended by me using that. It's, it's really literally just trying to draw a parallel between the two um, behavioral tendencies that we have, right? Where we try to restrict and restriction leads to isolation, which leads to a break in restriction. Yeah, we're not designed to isolate ourselves completely. So if you think about it from the point of view of leaning into this craving for cream, let's try to build a whole foods indulgence meal that involves a certain amount of cheese, but mostly healthy things. What could you make? I'm actually going to try to, I'm going to make an acorn squash sweet potato thing Mm -hmm. and have butter in it and maple syrup. Um, so I don't hear any cream. Well, butter, ah, butter counts. Butter, I mean, I honestly very, I, I don't really indulge in butter that much. Like, what I really love is like cream in my coffee. Like, I want my coffee <laughs> creamy as fuck. Oh my gosh, so good. And, <laughs> and yeah, that and like, anything creamy I don't I don't even know what right. else so watch what just happened though I said all right create a creamy creamy based meal at Whole Foods that's healthy and you were like butternut squash and butter and maple syrup and I was like is it creamy and you were like mm, sort of no we're not there let's try again oh. let's okay. find something okay. because here's the thing you're going to go into Whole Foods to buy the butternut squash and you're going to get the butter and the nice quality maple syrup and then you're going to look at the cheese aisle and be like oh <gasps> I see you over there, double cream brie. Oh, yeah, I got that. I got some special (laughs) brie and I got some aged Gouda. All right. Now let's build something out of one of those two. I'm going to eat that brie. Do you see what I'm saying? I know you're going to eat the brie. What what do I say? Oh, well, I got 
how much brie do you have to have to be satisfied? Because this is this this is where I come back to what I said about questions. Asking the right questions will lead you to the right behaviors that you want to work on. If you okay. don't ask the right questions, then you're gonna just find like filler. It'll be filler. It's like, oh well, I went to Whole Foods and I bought salad, so I'm I'm doing better. Okay, yes, but you also walked out with double cream brie, and you're gonna sit down with salad and double cream brie. You're gonna eat twice as much of the double cream brie as the salad, and you didn't actually affect the action. You just felt better about it, right? So I, that's why I'm saying. I know someone's going to sit there and be like, I'm keto, so I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> fine. That's fine. Are you losing weight? Are you achieving your it's goal? It's so shocking. Great. It's so shocking that um, keto is a thing when you tell people you can eat all the fucking fat you fucking want. We can't. You can't eat all the calories you want. What happens is your body says, that's what, stop eating this. I know, but with I the, feel gross. <laughs> but with keto... Fundamentally, uh-huh. so many people, uh, at least my experience with uh, doing the keto diet for a while, I feel like there's very much this belief like you can eat like if you want to have a whole stick of butter, fucking have it. That's right. fine because your body is going to be changing and it doesn't use it, blah, blah, blah. And there's so, misinf- so much misinformation that I literally would be like, it's I know when I was on the keto diet, I was just like, you know, yeah, a shit ton of cheese. That's fine. Right. It's just another excuse small that pops up to do whatever you want. It's a justification. And this is the problem with a lot of these diets that promise you unlimited anything, unlimited anything. You can have all of this you want as long as you don't do this. You're still in that restriction mentality. You're still in that elimination of, you know, it's just not balanced, I guess is the best way to put it. So the question is, how much brie can I have and be satisfied yeah. And maybe you don't okay, know I, right now. I have an answer. I actually have, I'm sorry. It's like not a straight up answer. That's okay. <laughs> Shocker. Uh, I, what I want to say to myself right now and to you is that, no, 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 it's not about that. It's like the, because of all my restrictions and my problems with, you know, my past with like calorie counting to me, I'm like, no, no, no. The indulgence is not having to worry about that. Right. I don't know how many times I have to realize that. Hello, I don't know Mr. how many Mole. moments I'm going to have like, oh my God, what a breakthrough moment. Oh wait, I've had that already three times. Oh, did you fall in that hole outside your house again? Oh my God. <laughs> oh no. Well, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> See, but this is why this is, this is why this is so cool. I think from, from a perspective of like helping people unravel this stuff is because it it is, we all do this. We all do it. No one is immune. No one. Okay. No one. But this is why I'm going to say it again. Asking yourself the right questions is the way out. Because the right question was, how much brie is enough? Because what happened when you asked yourself that question? It was like, blam, excuse moles all over the place. But it's not about that. But what about That's how you know you hit the nail on the head or the mole on the head. Oh, my God. It's Monday. It's pun day today. Watch out. So like, this is what you're looking for. That resistance, that moment of like, yeah, but that's what you want. Because that's how you know you found something worth kind of digging into. Oh, the thing that you, the thing that's hard, the thing that you're actually about ready to fucking do fisticuffs over. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've literally had clients say to me before, like, you will pry the cheese out of my cold, dead hands. And I'm like, yep. I Wait, did it. my sister say that to you? 
you know what I think it was? One, she was one of them. Believe me, she's not alone. She's not alone. And there's reasons. She's a Francophile. So she also, is. you know, the cheese thing. Yeah. Well, I lived in France for almost a decade. I get it. And it's, it is a, it is a thing, but the, the reality is any food is okay. As long as you have a reasonable, rational relationship with it. And we've lost that ability through all of our restricting of foods. Like, you know, we've yeah. gone through decades worth of diet dogma of like, oh, fat is bad. Don't eat any fat. Everything is low fat, high sugar. And then it was like, now wait, carbs are giving, bad. Now carbs are bad. You know, I'm waiting for the day when protein is bad. It's coming because with the movement towards a more plant-based diet, everybody's going to be like, protein is bullshit. And I'm like, yeah, oh, here yeah. it comes. Here it comes. It's just none of it works. None of that mentality or approach works because you're always <sighs> eliminating something major. You, yeah. you can't you can't go that way. It just doesn't it doesn't work forever. It does work for some period of time. Yeah. Well, like I said, I know all these people who did the keto diet and they're like, I lost <laughs> 20, 30 pounds. And then they're all like, but then you know, I did it for like like then I a couple months, three months, and then I stopped and I gained all this weight back and even more. But you know, it right. really worked. <laughs> right. Again, it did in the past work, but it doesn't sustainably work. So back yeah. to the right questions, right? We found a question that's really triggering some stuff for you. We found, okay, how much brie is enough brie? And you're like, fuck you, all of it. Like, well, it's your, more like, fuck you. I don't want to have to actually think about it. I just want to <laughs> put it in my mouth and not have to think Feel about it. Feel happy. That's like the excitement of the day. It's like, if I get a wake up, because I used to do this thing that quote unquote worked where it's like I would deprive the fuck out of myself calorie wise six days a week. And then one day I get to do whatever the fuck I You had a want. cheat day? <gasps> I had a cheat, cheat day. day. And so it's like that idea of like waking up and being all like, maybe today I won't uh, look at my food too much and take pictures of it and analyze it and analyze the calories. Cause I'm still doing that, even though I know it's, not, it's, it's really ingrained. It's really that, fucking ingrained. It's yeah. really ingrained. And that's the excitement. And mm -hmm. you know what I find? Yeah, but what I'm not telling you, and this is interesting because what you're hearing versus what I'm saying are not the same. Because what you're hearing is I want you to weigh and measure how much brie you're going to eat. And then I want no, you to I know stop you don't when want you've that. had that much. Right. But in your mind, that's what this experiment looks like. It's like, I have yeah. to stop eating brie before I want to stop eating brie. No, yeah. I'm not doing that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is let's build a really amazing meal that's balanced and healthy that incorporates that brie. And then let's see how you feel at the end of that. I'm not saying you can't go back and just like lob off hunks of brie and lick it off the knife if that's what you feel like doing. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying let's find out where the right quantity of brie is because it may not be that you actually want to eat half a block of brie when you sit down. And I don't know if that's how much you eat or not. We didn't discuss it, but I'm just, I don't even know. I'm saying, uh, right. But this is, this is where the experiment lies is I don't actually know. I don't actually have hard data that says this is how much brie is satisfying for me. Do I eat the same amount every time I sit down to it? Do I sometimes eat more? Do I sometimes eat less? If I eat it with grapes and um, crackers, do I eat as much? If I eat it with a cucumber and tomato salad, some brie, and then some grapes and some crackers, how much brie do I eat? Am I changing how much brie I eat based on these other things going in? Mm -hmm. is, it equally, is it equally satisfying? Or 
is the only way to satisfy this craving for brie to indulge on only the brie. Do you see what I'm saying? This is what I'm talking about, about the questions. The question is not how much brie is too much. The question is how much brie is satisfying for me? How do I get, how do I do this? without feeling triggered about the overanalysis and the like obsession. I don't think you do the first time. I think you have to just live with these feelings a little bit and work through them anyway. This is what I was saying. You said it at the beginning of this podcast today, which is like, just because you have a feeling doesn't mean you have to act on it. But if you a hundred percent avoid this area all the time, you can't fix it. So how do I play with this? Okay. Am I playing with it in real time or can I, can I do a playbook beforehand? I think you can do either, but I think the first part of the playbook, it's like, um, you know, (laughs) me building this homeschool curriculum this year is like, I built this beautiful playbook. And at this point I'm just winging it, but she's learning and she's enjoying it. And so I'm not going to stress too much about it, even though the Virgo in me is like, (gasps) but she didn't do 40 minutes of math every day this week. It's like, whatever, really? Like I could, whatever. It doesn't count. There's, is her math better than it was six months ago or three months ago? (laughs) Yes. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to call myself. I said I was going to do it. I still said you did it again. I'm a millennial. I'm not, I'm a Gen Xer. So I'm apathetic about that whole situation. So here's the deal. We're going to go back to what I said, which is let's build a meal that sounds amazing and satisfying. And that contains brie and lots of other really healthy things. So When you eat the brie, what do you typically eat it with? Crackers and fruit. Okay, what fruit? Um, Grapes or apples. Okay. Uh, What kind of crackers? I like these like rosemary. I got two different kinds of crackers. Well, three different kinds because I got gluten-free from my mom, but those are hers. Uh, these like rosemary round entertainment crackers. And then also like these, oh, what are they called? You know, like super, super thin wafer type crackers. Okay. So those. Because, so what is it about those crackers that you like? Are they super crunchy? Do they have an extra flavor that rounds out the brie for yeah, you? I like the rosemary and I also like that they're super... Yeah, super. I like the the crackers, those super super thin crackers, where you're where you could just tell they're just like they're just the uh, vehicle the for the cheese getting in your mouth. They're not right. about it's not about the cracker; it's about the cheese. Okay, so that's an important aspect of building this meal. Then, right, is maintaining that sort of feeling about it. So, what could you add to this? What healthy, tasty thing could you add to this situation? Apples. I love apples and cheese. Okay. Is there a vegetable you could add to this situation? What if we put celery in the mix? Oh, God. It's crunchy. You don't like celery? How about... I really hate fucking... I hate celery. Um, sometimes I can eat celery and be like, oh, I like this, but it's very rare. And I feel like the taste of celery is so strong to me that it just ruins whatever you put it with. I can do it with peanut butter because it's already such a strong flavor. Okay. But otherwise, I might as well just like fucking shit on my cheese. I'm sorry. That was so crass. I mean. But it ruined it. It ruined the I was cheese. Say. Why? 
and but then see, it's look so at these watery big feelings. and then it's like watery fucking cheese and it's so disgusting so what i'm hearing is that celery is out <laughs> <laughs> yeah did i get that right yeah All right. how about radishes again they just they're so no. i bought, I bought a bunch of radishes recently and I was like, I really want some radishes and start having them. And I'm like, I don't feel well. Okay. Cucumbers. I love cucumbers. I love plain cucumbers. And again, too much water. It's like watery cheese. I can do cucumbers with like a sour cream dip. That's okay. Okay. I like that. All right. So we're getting there, right? Because creamy came up again. Yeah. And I will do like, I'll get like light sour cream and the friend you know, that French onion soup mix mm-hmm. and then have like a shit ton of cucumber. So you can actually do that with Greek yogurt as well. Yeah. And I've done that the, before. Yeah. And it made me a little sad. Uh, well, okay. But maybe a little <laughs> sad is okay. Right? Or half Greek. I've done half Greek yogurt and half sour okay. cream. And that Perfect. was, that felt, that felt, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not horribly sad and I feel better. Right. Okay. So this is, this is the kind of win you're looking for. Yeah. Right. It's not, it's, it's a a combo pack. Right. It's a combo pack of, I'm not going to eat the brie every day. I'm going to eat it on special occasions. And on these special occasions, when I eat it, I'm going to create a really satisfying experience out of this. Maybe I get some fig jam and I put that on my cracker or maybe, you know what I mean? But this is because the indulgence part is so critical for you. Yeah. Because it I didn't really get to have it growing up. I did not right. get to have, it's not like we had fancy ass parties with brie and fig jam. Right. Or maybe it's melon. You know, there's lots of other things you can incorporate in here to make it feel special. And then you just mindfully, slowly enjoy it. Because you don't have to, if you've done this and you've managed some of these other situations of like, you're not doing it every day and it's not something that you're, over consuming quantity wise the place where you're stuffing your face with it and you're sitting there and you're eating slowly and you're eating to 80 percent full how can this be bad right it's not you've now taken the bite out of the situation you can if you ask the right questions this is how you you whack the moles you don't have to punch them in the face. You have to ask the right questions and you have to relentlessly ask the questions until you come to a place of like, ah, uh, yes, that I'll try. So that. let me, let me do something that's very eminent. Um, right now, I feel like I've had a really stressful day. It's been like really exhausting. I feel very kind of tight and anxious and I feel like, okay, tonight I'm, and I have some eggnog and I have some bourbon and I'm like you know what I think that you really deserve a nice yummy drink you know to help feel so good to just relax what's the right question I'm going to ask you to ask yourself the right question this time because we've played this game a lot Mm -hmm. like I'll keep helping you ask the right question but I think you can do it so what's the right question to ask here so you've identified I'm having this craving for I feel terrible. I've I've had an anxious, stressful day. I now crave eggnog and bourbon. What's the right question? Or questions? I'm so scared I'm going to get it wrong. Is this Jeopardy? Um, yes. Your answer must be in the form of a question. 
Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, rest in peace, Alice, Tre- Alice, Alice Trebek. Sorry, Alex Trebek. I'm so sorry. If rest I had a 40, I'd, I'd pour some out for him right now. But Seriously, a 40. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Classy. Um, That's me. I always like to say I put the ass in class. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know what. That's okay. So the right question. Um well I I, I feel like I want to start with like, well, why are you why are you craving that? And it's okay. like, well, I feel super fucking like I had a hard day and I feel like I feel like I need some sort of I want I want some sort of catalyst that will force me to relax because I feel okay. like I can't do it on my own. So now you've identified the need, right? The need is relaxation. What's the next question? If you don't want to cope. Yeah, you got it. You're going to say it. Do it. Is there a way to relax that is not a triggering coping mechanism that is not leading me to where I want to go? Right. Is there? Um, yes. what can you do? Here's the right, here's the next right question, right? What can you do to reduce the anxiety now that could help you when you get to that craving later? Oh, I feel like I just don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. Yes. Yes. Teacher. My hands up. My hands up. Yes. Student, teacher. You, teacher, student? you made this amazing cave of comfort in your closet to go and meditate and be calm. Right. Is one of your things on your chart was peace. And what you're saying to me right now that I hear is that you don't feel at peace. You feel anxious and stressed and you have spent time and energy and a lot of care into making an environment for yourself where you can relieve some of that anxiety. And the way that you know you're feeling it is because you crave bourbon and eggnog. You know you're feeling that, right? So you've now you've identified this is the feeling, this is the like soothing response I am ingrained to use. I have also created a secondary response of meditation and calm and quiet that I can use as well. I'm gonna do that first. Not, I'm not going to have the bourbon and eggnog. Fuck that bourbon and eggnog. That's not the response. The response is, I'm going to do this other thing first. And then I'm going to reassess after I've done that, if I still want the bourbon and eggnog. I love that. Because when you were initially talking, I was like, God, that bourbon and eggnog craving, it's not going to go away. And I know, I feel like in my head, I know I'm like jumping ahead, but I'm like, but if I don't, have that I feel like next time I have that I feel well it's my one chance my one <laughs> chance to enjoy that so I better like have a lot um but the fact that you were like no just do do this thing first and then reassess and I think I don't know if anyone I'm sure you could tell me if anyone else has this issue where I'll say things like I want bourbon and eggnog or I want ice cream or something and then it'll change and I won't really want it later, but I already told myself I could have it. Yeah. So I'm like, well, I'm going to have it then. Right. What is that? That's, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we can talk for a long time about what that is, 
But I think the most important thing is that you realize that that's a deal you've made with yourself that you don't have to keep. Mm. Mm. You don't have to keep that deal because that deal was made to sue the feeling that you're having now. Yeah. I you think made for a deal me- with future you to deal with that instead of now you dealing with that. Now you is going to go deal with it because you have this other thing to do. And then you get to ask future you again, if that's still what you want. Do you know, do you see the difference like between, but I've committed to this indulgence. I have to have this indulgence or I'm letting myself down. That's a, that's an interesting one. I think what it is, it's like, well, you, you deserve it because you, it isn't one. No, thing. it's, it's kind of that. It's kind of, you deserve it. So you should do it. But then it, there's also this, like, well, you've already, you've already suffered for that decision. You might as well go ahead and do it. Maybe. Interesting. Like, it's like a, <laughs> in a weird way, I'm like, is it a double jeopardy thing? It's like, well, I've already <laughs> for that crime. So I might as well go do it. I might as well go kill that person because I already right. served my time. Like in that Ashley Judd movie, Double Jeopardy, which is amazing. Everyone should watch it. I haven't seen that. Oh, it's but really good. I think, I think again, you know, it's just another excuse popping up. Mm-hmm. I've already told myself I was going to do it. I've already done the damage in my head. So I might as well make it real. Yeah. Easy. That's easy. And this is, this <laughs> is why excuse whack-a-mole is so hard. We've all played real whack-a-mole and those bastards just, just get faster. You start thinking you're doing well. And then like the game's like, Oh yeah. And then they just like, there's six of them at once. And you're like, ah, and you feel like you can't whack them anymore. You can, you can still get at least one of those guys. You can still get one. You just can't give up. You can't give up on checking in with yourself and making sure that you're recognizing them when they come up, because they are the things that take you back to your old patterns that keep you from changing the things that you want to change. Yeah, they are. And I think for me after, like, after I get done with work, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to getting in my closet, (laughs) my meditation chamber closet area. And I'm going to just commit to doing five minutes of meditation, five minutes. And I'm trying to see if there's anything else I can commit to that's going to um help before before I go down the bourbon right I mean you can still have and you can still have some you can pour it you can you can take a sip of it and you can still change your mind but then I'm wasting it and it was expensive Ah, oh oh Mm. I was about to be like (laughs) are you insane that bourbon was not cheap and mm-hmm. I'm not rich, so I cannot waste it. That's right. that, that uh, you know, I grew up with that was six a at lot once. of people. I, that was advanced I level. With... <laughs> that was advanced level whack a ball. Those suckers are all coming out of the hole. Not really. Here's my boss moment. I grew up like I think a lot of people where it's like, don't waste your fucking food. Mm-hmm. That food costs money. And that's a scarcity mentality like, though, too. Yeah, right. I, I, oh man, scarcity mentality is so rampant. Well, and I think with my with, thinking, well, with everybody, I mean, look at the toilet paper hoarding that went on earlier this year. Oh my God. So it's, it's a completely natural reaction to have, but it's no longer really relevant 
it doesn't serve us anymore because we just don't live in that right now. And there are lots of people in the world who do, and it is relevant for them. But you're fortunate enough, and so am I, to not be one of those people. But the guilt feels relevant. It feels like you might as well just throw money down the drain. Sure, you know? sure. You're so wasteful, and it feels, right. I feel guilty. Yeah, again. Again. <laughs> I feel guilty. I'm like, I made a cup of coffee, and I didn't drink it enough. And so now I'm like, oh, now you waste all that half and half. Mm. <laughs> All that creamy comfort. All that creamy comfort. Down the drain. Down the drain. And And it's organic. I think it's awesome that we record these now because I know that you can go back and listen to this, right? This is sort of like... Which I have to, to edit it. Right. And so you can hear all of this stuff that you say. And I'm not saying that because you're saying anything bad, but it's really, really productive to hear ourselves say stuff. Oh, it is. You're like, I love it when someone, uh, when someone's like, oh, remember when you said this? And you're like, I didn't say that. No, it doesn't sound like me at all. And then it's like, that. oh, shit. I did. <laughs> oh. Ooh. Oh. That's oh. why we hate doing it. Yeah. You know, it's not pleasant. But it's important because it's important to separate feelings from reality. You got to keep doing it. It's super uncomfortable. But again, we keep coming back to this too. Like this process is uncomfortable. It's not fun. I'm not, I know I feel like sometimes people sign up and I say, well, we're not going to calorie count in the same kind of sense that you're used to where we're not going to do this. It's like, you can, you can eat what you want. And then people take that as like, I can do whatever I want. And I can do whatever I want. And it's like, that's not not what I said. (laughs) Right. No, but you can, you absolutely can do whatever you want, but you have to be very aware of the consequences of that and the repercussions of it. And if you accept those, then keep doing that thing. You know, but if you don't accept them, then that's something you got to keep looking at until you're willing to do something about it. You can fall in that hole as many times as you need to, to decide not to do it again. And it's probably a lot more times. This is literally, Patricia and I were talking about this this morning. It's this feeling of, oh, this frustration of like, oh God, I did that again. Ah, Yeah. And then the shame where you're like, what's wrong with me? Obviously, I don't really want to change. Or... Or you just haven't disrupted that habit in a way that takes care of the need mm. that you're feeling in order to do it in the first place. You know, this is why we oh, take care of that need. You know what I didn't do? I really didn't put boundaries in to take care of myself today. And now oh. all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, whoa. Is that why Yep, feeling this way? Because I really didn't. I haven't even had lunch. It's almost 4 p.m. <gasps> Liz. I've been so busy at work. And that's a big one for you too, right? I mean, all the stuff ties yeah. together. So I don't know anybody well, who doesn't run this cycle in some way, shape or form. It doesn't yeah. have to be about food. It doesn't. You know, I think we talk about this in the within the framework of it being about food here. But <laughs> this is a pattern of human behavior that is like mm-hmm. ev- everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere in everyone. So, but yeah. on that note, you're going to go and eat some lunch because I can't believe it's four o'clock. It's only one. And I've already my, had lunch. I have three minutes before my next meeting that I schedule. I'm going to go have a shower because that's, yeah, that's self-care. Good grief. Okay, cool. I'll talk All to right. you later. <laughs> Bye.
Bye. Okay, bye. Hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. And I hope that today's episode made you think a little bit about how you could apply some of what we're talking about to yourself and your behaviors and let us know if you find any of it meaningful. Make sure to tune in for the next episode where we will continue to have somewhat circular conversations that may be helpful. They will be. They will be helpful. (laughs) It's what you take away from them. Wow. The more you know. Thank you.